monetizing digital services since 2004, boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG, where innovation meets monetization. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, where your source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development, where we share original research, explore industry trends, and interview executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We hope you join us often for practitioner-oriented content around all things related to leadership, HR, talent management, organizational development, and change management. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page, and please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Van Carlson about how 831B plans can help businesses mitigate risk. Van Carlson, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Thank you. Uh, looking forward to our conversation. Yeah, I'm excited as well. You're joining us from Idaho. I'm south of Salt Lake City in Utah. And today we're going to be talking about 831B plans and how organizations can utilize them to help mitigate risk and deal with those sorts of issues. As we get started, I wanted to share Van's bio with everybody. As founder and CEO of SRA. 831B, Van Carlson is an innovator developing products for a variety of industries that can take advantage of adding additional revenues while also mitigating risk. Van has an extensive background in risk management, insurance, and finance with more than 24 years in the industry prior to founding SRA. Van ran his own property and casualty firm for 15 years and now improves business operations for him and his clients. Uh, again, a pleasure to have you. Thank you for joining me. And anything else about yourself or your background that you'd like before we dive on into the conversation? No, I think that uh, surmises it. Uh, well, let's dive on in. Uh, some people w- will be familiar with 831B plans, uh, but I, I suspect many won't be. So why don't you start by explaining what an 831B is and how it can be utilized to protect your business? Sure. So an 831B was uh, brought into existence under the 1986 Tax Reform Act. Uh, it's been on the books for quite a long time, and to your point, a lot of a lot of people still don't know about it. Um, it's very similar to four hundred one k. I mean, four hundred one k designed to take a deduction at the operating company level um, and build up retirement for employees and owners. An eight thirty one b it does something similar, but something completely different than retirement, and that's really risk mitigation. Uh, as you know, um, a lot of business owners. Uh, retain a lot of their own risk. Now, traditionally, and we talk about tangible assets of businesses, uh, buildings, vehicles, uh, stuff you can actually depreciate, typically get a loan on, you can insure for. Um, the intangible assets of a business are blue sky, reputation, contractual, obligation, you know, uh, intellectual properties, uh, supply chain, all that kind of a thing. Those are, those are very valuable to a business, 
but very, very hard to insure, if not impossible. And that's really where the 831B can come in and build a rainy day fund up for the unknowns that you can't transfer to traditional means um, and the business owner still retaining it. The big thing there is obviously the premium you set aside for those types of programs is deductible at the operating company level. And of course, under as long as you provide, it's really similar to 401k, there's a lot of restrictions and regulations to it. Uh, there's contribution limits or distributions and all that kind of stuff that comes into play. Um, but as long as you follow those rules and guidelines, you can elect under 831B. And that entity itself doesn't pick it up as income. So now you're able to build up a rainy day fund on tax deferred dollars that in the event something wants to happen that was unforeseen to your business, um, you have the capability of if not relying on a government like the PPP program or employee credit retention programs, but you, you're self-reliant on yourself. And that's really what we're trying to drive home today with our business owners is the ability to be self-reliant. If you pride yourself on being an entrepreneur, forward-thinking uh, bootstrapper, then this program's for you because, uh, you know, the, I don't know what's going to happen the next time. And, and maybe, you know, who knows uh, when COVID-19 happens again and our government, you know, not to get too political here, but it did seem a little bit like they were shooting from the hip, unfortunately, um, which me being a risk management is is kind of hard to understand. You know, when I deal with companies down around the Gulf of Mexico, we make sure we have a hurricane response set aside or, you know, an earthquake prone area like in Salt Lake, for example. I've got clients in, in your area that have a response plan put together in event of an earthquake. Um, unfortunately, we didn't have it didn't feel like it to me anyway. And if somebody can explain to me differently, I'd love to hear it. But, you know, Michael, well, yeah, that's a, it's a really good point. And um, it was something I wanted to ask you about is how, you know, organizations that had 831B plans prior to COVID, like how that might have assisted them. And I agree. I think generally speaking, I, I think most people on either side of the political political spectrum would say it wasn't handled all that well um, from, you know, and, and Republicans might say that about the Democrats and Democrats might say that yeah. about the Republicans. Ultimately it, it wasn't handled all that well. And, and you look at it and you're like, well, you know, the threat of a global pandemic is nothing new. Like we've been talking about that exactly. for a long time yeah, and there's been outbreaks in other places. So why was it that we didn't have a plan in place? Yeah. It, it's, it, you know, it's not talked about and you, you're completely right. It's, it's the government. I don't care what party you're affiliated with. You let the American people down, in my opinion. The, the federal government let the American people down because they didn't have a plan in place, at least that somewhat thought out other than ad hocing stuff, right? So it's just, it was shocking. But nevertheless, um, you know, I can tell you this. The clients that had our 831B plans, we responded quicker to them than the PPP program did. Um, we had a 1,300% increase. I, I should back up. The 831B needs to look and feel like an insurance company. And as there, that's where we come as administrator, no different than the 401k ministers, your plan, you know, you're not in a financial business. You don't need, you know, is it meet the ERISA rules and everything else, right? You as a business owner don't have to worry about that because you hired a 401k administrator. An 831B administrator operates the same way. Uh, so that's really where the regulations we got to come in. And that's our job to make sure our clients are compliant with the code. Um, but yeah, we, we, they, we saw a substantial increase in activity, obviously, and we were able to respond much quicker than the PPP program did. And that's really what got me in this program too, John, was back in 08, this was happening, right? Where the great recession, they called it. And I saw a lot of, and I was running a traditional insurance company at the time and um, traditional property casualty. I was an agent. I was going out to business owners. I was managing their risk. 
And then, of course, the financial risk business owners take on get discounted all the time, right? I mean, you know, it's just they, they know the accelerated appreciation, right? So they just go out and keep levering up more risk. And then, unfortunately, you have an event like OAG happen, and, it, and it, it affected my business. I was losing really good clients. I would say pillars in the community, great business owners, contributed a lot, added a lot of value to the to community. They were finding themselves being liquidated and because they didn't have a lot of tools available to them, unlike the Fortune 500 companies that have been utilizing these types of tools for literally decades now. And that's where it really drove the home for me was there's got to be a smarter, better way to run your business. And for me, you know, these are legitimate tax codes. Um, and yeah, they've been abused. Uh, unfortunately, we had attorneys basically hijack the code and use it as an estate tax play back in 08, 09, 2010. And if you go back to those days, you know, you, I think it was like one and a half million, three million was your estate. You know, after that, it fell into estate taxes. And it, and just they just hijacked it. And unfortunate, that was unfortunate. And there was some abuses, and and we do still see going on out there. But you know, that's when. I would love to see Congress and the IRS and professionals in our world get together and actually say, okay, guys, we don't know when the next time this is going to happen, but we can't do what we did. And let's just make this a legitimate, not a legitimate, let's make this a normal business practice where business owners have the ability to set aside reserves, tax deferred, to, to, to take care of it, this, these types of issues on their own and, and make it a legitimate from the standpoint of rules and regulations. And, and that's really where, I hope we eventually get there someday. Um, we have really good best practices in place. Um, but yeah, there's going to be some challenges along the way. But at the same time, though, I think if you're a successful enterprise and you and you worry about these types of things where you can't transfer risk, and, and believe me, John, there is a, and COVID is just one part of it. It's just, we're dealing with so many things right now with the climate changes. We're seeing now in traditional insurances where you didn't have first dollar loss. You know, if my truck was out on the road and it and it ran into somebody and did damage, you know, to the physical damage and also hurt that person, my employee driving my plumbing truck, for example, I had liability insurance for that. And it was first dollar loss to the insurance company. We're seeing now where one way to offset costs a lot of times and two risks to the insurance carrier, they're not taking on first dollar loss. You, you got the first hundred thousand dollars of losses. We're seeing a lot of stuff in Florida right now with the last hurricane where even homeowners are having a very difficult time because in hurricane prone areas, you have first dollar loss. Not only do you have a property deductible, which we're all used to, $500,000, I got water damage, I got to pay the first $500,000 to my, down in Florida, hurricane prone areas, insurance companies introduce co-insurances and I'm sure people are used to co-insurances with the health insurance. Well, your deductible now, you know, it's not just thousand dollars. It's twenty percent of whatever the value of the house was that got blown away. Now, now homeowners got to come up with a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to rebuild their house, um, and we're seeing that in business as well. And so, again, these are building up, building up these tax advantage reserves that pay these types of costs. That the, the business it's a difference between living and dying. Monetizing digital services since 2004. Boosting the entertainment industry by making digital content accessible for everyone. AWG, where innovation meets monetization. And, and you've mentioned several times the difference, you know, in terms of risk mitigation strategies for big corporations who have all, lots of resources and they typically have plans in place and such, and then mid-sized to small businesses. And a lot of times 
it, it is the mid-sized to smaller businesses that don't really have anything in place. Um, they don't have perhaps the know-how, but often the, just the time, the energy, the resources to put into it. And they're the ones that are most vulnerable when we have a global pandemic or a global recession or name your catastrophe. Uh, they're the ones that are are the most vulnerable. Um, and so how how do you see, you know, leveraging an 831B plan um, useful, you know, to, to start the risk mitigation strategy for every company, even if it's mid-sized down to small mom and pop type shops? Yeah. And so I, I think one of the things that brought the other reason why a lot of clients don't know about this code is because fees were all over the board. And I think with any, as competition comes in, as you know, fees start getting lined out more and more, and it becomes just more cost effective and, and, and to business owners. And I would say to you that we pride ourselves on that. We are a low cost provider at, with five star, with five star service. And that's what we've always prided ourselves on. When I first looked at this program, I was seeing things that just to form an 831B, law firms are charging $250,000. And I'm like, what is that about? And, you know, this was like doing a testimonial type wills and just, you know, take out the names, put new names in and hit print. And I just thought it was ridiculous. But, you know, that's what the market was willing to bear at the time. And I think now, you know, going back to, you know, eight states were promoting you to own an 831B within their state. Now there's 34 states. And so as more and more more and more knowledge and, and, and education comes out on this code, the more the fees come back in line. So I think to me, and I tell clients all the time, you know, fees can't kill the deal. And so, you know, as long as we can make something work with the business owners, I think all successful enterprises um, should some, own some kind of form of their self-insuring risk. Now, how do you want to make it more efficient? You make it by more efficient by deferring the taxes and def- putting it into a bucket because why you just have twice to two times, two times typically the dollar to go fight the fight. And that's, and that's a big substantial difference um, in, in the ability again, to live or die. And, you know, with small, to your point, and I couldn't agree more, small to middle market business owners have more, more at risk. Um, you know, when I look at Chipotle, Chipotle is a good example. I mean, you remember a couple several years ago when they were in the news cycle a lot uh, about for like 18 months between uh, e. coli and a couple of the issues that were going on, they kept building more locations. Now their stock might have took a hit, but they kept adding more locations. Now you take a small mom and pop uh, uh, Salt Lake City area that have four or five stores. They get hit with noroviruses where somebody just simply walks in and gets, or they get E. coli or anything. What's going to happen to those people? The smaller you are, the more more exposure you to have to catastrophic losses in those events. And you talk about a double whammy. Not only are you seeing your expenses going up, but now you see a compression of sales going down. And that's where, where are you going to do? Run to the bank and go, hey, I need to increase my line of credit. Um, you know, these are things that are, you know, done every, unfortunately, this happens every day. Um, we run a blog on this stuff and it's kind of shocking. You talk about cyber. Cyber today, my gosh! I mean, the the risk business owners are taking. You know, it's funny. I was I was at a cyber conference, like I don't know, in, end of the year, and the guy said, "Yeah, data used to be considered to be the gold mine. Like, oh, I got all this data of all these all this information now with all my clients." And then he said, "Now it's considered toxic because, uh, unfortunately, um, you have such huge exposures to cyber now, at collecting all your customers and clients' information." that the responsibility falls on you for it. And you talk about, again, mid-market to small businesses, they're not nearly as robust as Target was, right, when it comes to cyber protection. And so 
again, there's a lot of exposures out there that, um, and two, I would say this, insurance policies, the reason why they're getting, you know, thank God they're sending them in the PDFs now in electric, electronic form, because if they weren't, you you would get like, you'd get like the old size of the phone books used to be when they, when they were an inch thick, because, and, and I tell business owners all the time, your policy is not, your policy, you're not adding more pages to the PDF file is not giving you more coverage. They're outlining the exclusions. And, and, and traditional insurance companies, for better or worse, are finding themselves more and more written, having to write more exclusions. A good example of that is COVID-19. There's almost, last time I looked, there was over 1,800 cases pending against the insurance companies over COVID-19 for not triggering business interruption. And I would argue that in this country, now there's some cases going on in England right now that are getting a little, but our language is very clear. Pandemics are excluded from coverage for business interruption. And and believe me, there'll be attorneys that want to fight the fight and God bless them. But the other, no matter what happens though, out of this, they'll just tighten up that language even more to where it's, you know, if they missed a word or what was if, what does if really mean? All that kind of fun stuff. Um, they will they will exclude it better. I mean, so so the next go around, there's this insurance companies cannot and will not, and we really don't want them to cover events like COVID nineteen because why? We couldn't afford to buy the insurance to go run our business in the future because of it. It'd be so astronomically high. Yeah. So you've done a good job of outlining the liabilities, right, that are associated with with running a business in the modern world. Um, the complexities in the, in the modern world of work and, and as we think into the future of work and this globally interconnected uh, marketplace, uh, you know, everything is just so complex and the liability component is also very complex and it just seems to get more and more uh, yeah. complex. So with that in mind, you know, working with organizations, setting up 831B plans, uh, making sure that you have risk mitigation strategies in place. Um, all of that is very essential so that, that you don't get caught flat-footed. So even if you are a small to mid-sized company, uh, it's something you should be spending time on. Um, and and this, an 831B plan can be one of those um, tools that can be utilized to help you accomplish it. Absolutely. And, you know, I, and I tell business owners, you, you threaded the needle. You, you've, you've got your, you took an idea, ran with it. You, you, you know, now, now you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility now to your family, to your business, but the people that work for you too. And, and you know, and I know that small and middle market business owners are tied more to their employees. They know more about their employees than big fortune 500 companies do. And they want to, they want to treat them right. And again, an 831B allows for business owners to stay alive. And, and, and truthfully, thrive. I mean, I, when I saw these programs in 08, 09, 2010, the guys, the people that had these programs, they thrived during that time. Why? Because they used this program for many, many years, built up reserves, and now they're able to, you know, if the business slides into a trough, the industry they're in slides into a trough, you know, you make your money going up the hill, right? You don't, at the top of the hill, everybody's making money. But the advantages I saw of business owners that were running these programs for a number of years, you know, that's, that's where really, you know, that, that became so uh, like a lightning strike to me. Like, like this, 
This is what big business do. They don't care about the, they they can they take advantage of when the economy takes a step back. Well, what about small to middle small to middle market business owners? What could they do in their space in their area where they live, where they have money sitting aside in reserves, and now now they're in a in, in a position to capitalize. And and again, I don't want we all want good times, right? But the reality of business is there's there are good times and bad times. And, you know, we're going into the unknown of a recession today. And again, we deal with business owners all the time. It's like, yeah, the strategies you got to deploy today, you got to act like a biz business, big business and think like one because you're competing with them too, by the way. You're competing with them with employees today, right? I mean, we're that's probably the biggest thing I, I hear complaining about today is, you know, having to compete with big companies that, are, you know, when Amazon says they have no problem offering $18 for minimum wage, you got to try to compete with that. You know, those are challenges, not you know, adding to the complexities of running a business. But, you know, so anyway, there's just strategies you got to start deploying. And I think, you know, the, the, for the right business, for the right client, this this is a great tool. And that's what this is. It's a tool. And, I, and to your point, you owe it to yourself as a business owner, the one, the risk taker, the bootstrapper, all those things. To look into all tools that are available to you, Maybe maybe this isn't for you. But I think you owe it to yourself to certainly look into it. Yeah. And I get one of the things with the, the human psychology is sometimes kind of this put your head in the sand approach to risk, right? And so a lot of people, it's just so overwhelming to even think about everything we've been talking about. And they're just like, well, I mean, I, if something hap- like that happens, I don't know what I could possibly do. And so I, I don't want to stress out completely. I feel so completely overwhelmed. So I'm just going to kind of ignore it and just go about doing my work and hope that everything works out. How would you respond to that kind of approach? I suspect that's one you hear a lot. We do. And, and you know, you're absolutely right. Risk is boring, right? I mean, risk is a cost center right now to most business owners, truthfully, right? I mean, it's a, it's a line item cost. Uh, it's a necessary evil doing business, all that good stuff, right? And and I'm I'm in that camp, trust me. But at the same time, you know, to keep your that's not going to work out. And and I can only say this: you've taken so much risk already to do what you do to run your own business. Not to mitigate that risk now. Now that you're over the over, you know, the three year survival period, and now things are going good, and and you've been through the downs and the turns and the ups and the downs and been forced to close and now you reopen and you survived all this, you know, to keep, keep doing that just seems a, it's a little, seems a little insane. I mean, there's tools out there, look into them and make sure it makes sense for you and make sure you're following the right rules and guidelines to this program. But I, I think you'll sleep, you know, the best compliment we get from our clients is that, man, I'm just glad you, we did your program. I just sleep easier at night knowing I, knowing that that's in the back room and man, any professional level a client tells you that you can feel pretty proud of what you do. And, and that's certainly for us. And I mean, we've got a great young team here at SRA 31B admin and um, we're focused and we want to grow and we want to get really, we're in, I appreciate platforms such as yours because really it's just awareness and education. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, Van, this has just been a fascinating conversation, a good introduction, I think, to many uh, on these types of plans and risk mitigation strategies and the tools that organizations can be utilizing. Before we wrap things up for today, I just wanted to give you a chance to share with the audience how they can connect with you, find out more about your work, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today. Yeah, thank you. Um, 831B.com is our website. Um, 
we have a good marketing department. They were able to get that domain to us. So that was a, a great find for us. But 831B.com, really, ed, there's educational videos there. Uh, they can reach out to us directly through our website. Um, we work with a lot of advisors all over the country. Um, and so a lot of clients, a lot of advisors are representing our products around the country. We love to have people up in their area as well, uh, which we're happy to do. And just reach out to us directly. Um, and again, it's 831B.com is the website. Um, you know, again, COVID-19 happened. It's real. A lot of business owners, to your point, were putting their head in the sand. Uh, I think now that the reality is like, hey, my risk, my policy might say all risk, but what does all risk mean? And go redefine print, right? Um, and again, traditional insurance companies do a really good job, um, but a lot of things they fall down on. And we're going to see more and more potential exposures to COVID-19 type situations. And uh, let's just be honest, natural catastrophes are happening more often, it feels like. So, um, and I think that not feels like it's, it's, it is, um, you know, the, rec- the, the, the losses show that even when you see a loss, like $80 billion loss or something, or I think the last hurricane is going to come in around 4.6, about 50% of that still will not be insured. And so there's still, a, 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 we have exposure to self-insuring risk. Um, and again, you as a business owner don't know that until sometimes it's too late. And, you know, if you're looking at tools like this in the future to be able to mitigate risk, it just, you owe it to yourself, you owe it to your business to at least look into it. Well said, Van. It has just been a pleasure. I really encourage my audience to reach out and get connected, find out more about what Van can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. If you enjoy the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, enjoy ad-free listening by going to the Patreon page. And please consider contributing even at the producer or sponsorship level. And please leave a review. Thank you for your support. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week.